We now bring you an important health message. Have you been found hunched at a desk under a bright light in the wee small hours? Have your friends and family questioned why you're combing through the carpet on your hands and knees muttering expletives? Have you terrified visitors by answering the door wearing a head-mounted magnifier? Do you suffer childish excitement opening boxes of tiny plastic and resin parts? You are not alone. AFE and Air Modeler magazines have been helping the most serious geeks for over 20 years now, bringing you the most inspirational military models the world has to offer to help you cope with this misunderstood affliction. Ask your pharmacist for AFE and Air Modeler magazines. If they can't help, ask at your local newsstand or hobby store, or better still, go direct to www.afvmodeler.com to subscribe to your dose or pick up single issues delivered direct to your door. Caution, AFE and Air Modeler cannot treat constipation but may cause verbal diarrhea. Tom Annis is a man on a mission. Like all of us, he wanted the best from his models, and when he looked into his cockpits and found they were lacking definition, he fixed it. Not content with blobby dials, switches, and knobs, Tom knew we all deserved better, so he started designing the sharpest and best printed aircraft details you will find today, and making them available to the masses. But he didn't stop there. He found a way to upgrade hoses and lines with the highest quality braided materials, And he designed an extensive range of decals covering everything from instruments to placards to superb metallic lines and more. Now Anna's offers not only superb physical details, but outstanding digital files you can print at home. Tom Anna's didn't settle for mediocre detail, and neither should you. Go to Anna's.io today. That's A-N-Y-Z dot I-O to start your journey into hyper-detail with Tom's superb range of easy-to-use and outstanding products. You'd be a fool not to. Friends, the show you're about to hear may contain coarse language, progressive attitudes about scale modeling, and in-depth discussion of technique and concept. If this is not your thing, then on your bike. Otherwise, please enjoy today's show while at the bench, on the drive to work, or while enjoying an adult beverage. Welcome everyone to the New Year's episode of the Sprue Cutters Union. Will, what's happening today? It's time! I don't know what's happening. I'm in a terrible mood. I am super stressed out. I have I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm just here. I'm just happy to be here. Sort of. Well, I've had a lot of coffee, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> this could be a fun I've, show, I've, everyone. I've had a lot of coffee, a lot of creatine. I'm fired up. I should have smoked a bowl so I'd be calm. We got Dukes. We got Martin. We got Uncle Night Shift. They're sitting over there looking like, what the fuck did we get into today? Okay, that's your cue to say something. Guess. Ah, fuck. Okay. Some- yeah, something. So at least for me, this is a hell of a context shift because I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a bunch of work deadlines and I'm kind of playing hooky while I do this. So I'm thinking about lunch. We're all me and Tracy are always thinking about food. <laughs> yep. Night shift. Are you here? I'm just enjoying your presence. Uh, I'm just stoked that Martin's here. I mean, obviously he had to kick out all the groupies and. Tell his agent that it was that this was like an actual meeting or something, right? Because he's 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 just like gotten to the point with his fame where uh, you know 
to hanging out with us is basically slumming it, right? You said it very nicely because how it happened in, in actual life was that uh, my grandma just called me about some Christmas cookies or whatever, and I just told her not to not to bother me because I'm on a, on a podcast. <laughs> oh, we just upset. Oh, it's grandma. <laughs> and, and Sorry, that, grandma. I can't believe you chose. I can't believe you chose the podcast over cookies. Yeah, that makes me feel pretty uh, special. I mean, they can wait, you know. But no, cookies. But can now wait. we know. Now we That's know that, that Martin's granny is his agent. Secret <laughs> agent Gran. I reckon he shooed all his staff out when he knew he was recording and it was going to be on video. He like all the people that actually make his models. He was like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. You mean the architect that draws all those houses? <laughs> what a dream to have people to build models, paint models, narrate the videos. Oh, that would be sweet. Well, look, um, we know that your model-making life is a lot easier now and you've got way more time. Because you finally got some decent fucking sprue cutters. Oh, man. <laughs> Why like didn't you say, tell me about dude, them earlier? We dude, did! Dude, I told you. <laughs> like, more than two years ago. <laughs> I've been telling you, yeah, for a long, for the longest time. So which ones did you finally get? You never did tell me that. The most expensive <laughs> ones. Because I, I went with the... The more expensive, the better theory. So... The the Meng ones, but Meng, they have like two. One one pair is 30 euros, and this one was Holy 80 shit, euros. that is more expensive even than the God Hand. So... That's 50 euros more. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> I was thinking for that price, they better build the models instead of me. Dude, for right? that price, they better be doing sexual favors when they're not cutting sprues. Anything I can imagine, yeah. Wow. But I, 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 I don't know. If they're following the Harder and Steenbeck I mean, model, they're, they're probably just they're red. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everything red costs more. That's, yep. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a thing. It's the truth. <laughs> so, okay. So, I just, I, I, look, I want to I wanna really work this because, I mean, why wouldn't I? I've been bugging you about it for so long. So, how, how, how. How are you finding your new experience with the with these new nippers? Are you are you are you is life better? Do you have more time to make sandwiches? I mean, what's 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 the deal, dude? Since I bought them, and since I saw the Snyder cut of Justice League, I found a girlfriend. <laughs> then I found another. Then uh, my turtle grew uh, twice the size. And my subscriber count skyrocketed. Is, is, turbo, is, so, turtle, is turtle a euphemism for something else? Yeah. <laughs> no, turtle, turtle is right there. He's in the tank back there. Well, he said two girlfriends. Then he started talking about his turtle growing. Saying. And I just put two and two together and got... <laughs> he forgot to mention that his grandma also made him cookies. And that as well, yeah. So only good things can happen to you when you buy expensive side cutters. <laughs> Or maybe maybe it's not the side cutters. Maybe if it's just when you listen to Will. There you go. You know? now, now we're getting somewhere. Nah. <laughs> if that was that was the case, I'd be like a god of modeling by now, and that ain't happening. So. <laughs> so do you find that you actually are able to not have to do as much uh, like sanding or filing of sprue gates now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, not only that, because, you know, I didn't mind the extra work before because I didn't know any better. But 
it was getting sometimes sometimes it was getting to a point when the actual removal of parts from sprues was getting painful you know because you had to put out a lot of force and your fingers would just start to hurt so that was kind of un- uncomfortable <laughs> and this actually made because you know when, whenever i finished a model in the past everything that was you know spares or leftovers i just threw all of that away i didn't want to deal with that and now suddenly I was motivated to snip out individual spares from the leftover sprues and put them in a box. So, so now I'm suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm starting to collect spare parts from you know leftovers. So that's a nice thing, and I already used them on the model that I'm working right now. So again, just good things Who happen. Who knew that gro- growing your <laughs> growing your Greebly collection was going to be a side benefit? But that's hey, there you go, there you go. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't, ha- you know, I didn't have too many opportunities to try them. Besides that, uh, they were great for removing 3D prints from supports. That's yep. pretty sweet. Like sometimes when I was using, you know, scissors or regular pliers, I was worried that the actual print would break because mm-hmm. of all the excessive force. And now it just goes smoothly through the support without any issues. Yeah, they're fan- fantastic. But- on the other hand, they're not perfect because I think they were already bent straight out of the box. Because they have that little limiter right. screw, right? Which mm-hmm. you can adjust so they don't touch, but that screw is just like welded in place. I, I it it I just can't move it. So So you're not you're not saying but that I don't know, they they're still really sharp. Your term for fucked up. Because the screw doesn't work. Yeah, like 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 the like the tip is slightly bent oh, outward, okay. but they work. You know, maybe I'll buy another another pair so I can have two and flex about it everywhere. Well, you know, I don't know. You know, people people flex about airbrushes. I can flex about side cutters. What was the name? Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Sprunipper hands. (laughs) Edward Scissorhands. Edward! Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Martin, you could tell us. How should you pronounce Edward? Like in Slovak? Like the model company, yeah. Edward. There you go. Edward. There's that that T at the end. Matt, what have you been up to? Oh, man. Uh, So I just finished the M3A1 Lee last night. So that's... 11 builds this year, which is more than I've done in, like, a decade. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and I'm <laughs> currently tooling around with ICM's little Model T armored car. Uh, the the slammerest of slammer builds ever. It's, like, six parts. So <laughs> I need one of those. Yeah, it's amazing when you when you have these just slabs of steel that obscure the, you know, the driver's seat and the engine and everything else. It's like, okay, here's a, here's a kit built. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, just, I'm trying to uh, throw this together and get it done before the end of the year so I can maybe focus on the Phantom again at some point down the road. Yeah, you've been on fire this year, but it's hard not to notice that most of it's been been tanks. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on. Go to the dark side. <laughs> They're fun. Maybe that's what's going to happen to me. I don't know, after this Ming Hornet <laughs> bullshit. No, because I mean, I, I, I definitely have aircraft plans for next year, like, Big aircraft plans. It's just all that Tank the Rainbow shit kind of came together at just the right moment, and I think that's what did it all. I mean, 
obviously you know, our first two episodes you were talking about that so we're going back some time now and with the benefit now of looking back on it what what have you taken from tank the rainbow what's it added to your modeling um i mean i think a large part of it honestly for me was just doing shit like just shaking off a lot of rust because in the past i haven't really touched armor except for maybe like one or two tanks a year kind of a thing and even if like if that and so anytime i'd come at one it'd be like okay i have to rethink and relearn how i do everything and then i just get lazy and take shortcuts and fuck it all up and so doing a bunch of them kind of back to back to back helped me find certain things that I was doing wrong and just stop doing them and know like, okay, slow down here. Okay. You don't have to go like as ridiculous on this particular aspect of it because it's going to get buried anyway. And so, you know, go more efficient, take the, you know, take the weathering in this direction instead. Uh, the other thing I would say is like just playing with all those different colors gave me a deeper appreciation of how all the combinations of colors work and don't work together. And that's going to be useful even as I play with like, you know, all of drab and four BO and shit like that. So what's like one specific thing that you felt like you were doing wrong and what are you going to do different? Uh, one thing I was doing wrong and honestly, I'm probably still doing it wrong is rushing the lower hull and the suspension and the running gear and all that. It's still very tempting for me to be like, ah, just slap some shit on it and move on to the, the fun stuff up top. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on that right now, especially with all these Shermans I'm doing for the, for the posse's, uh, Nat's build for next year where I've started magnetizing all the suspension bogeys so that way I can just pop them off and back on whenever I want and I'm not stuck with them on there and trying to work around them so I can get into the lower hole and get in, in and around the bogeys and actually do what I want to do. Uh, the problem on, on the M3 I want to just finish is like it's just all dusty and dust is very hard to get that you know, all that sort of multicolored drying mud and stuff like that. Because it's just, you know, you'll get any picture of a vehicle that's dusty and dust is dust. And so that, that was a challenge on that one. But hopefully as I move into the next ones, uh, I'm set up to actually do some interesting stuff in the lower hole. And did you try doing like any kind of a hairspray technique with the dust on the uh, around that? And then building up more layers of dust on top of it? Not really, because I got kind of hairsprayed out with all the Tank the Rainbows, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, and this M3A1, I mean, it's you know, it's a relatively fresh vehicle. It's just it just got dirty when they were driving it around, like you know, Aberdeen or Fort Knox or wherever. And so, I just I wanted to basically do like something relatively clean because my next one's going to be an Italian campaign M4A1, and it's dirty and faded and chipped and dinged all to hell. So you know, kind of just a contrast between the two but looking at all the reference photos there are some where it's like wherever the dust lands it's just like a it's just like really thick and opaque and so it didn't really call for hairspray at least you know the, the ones i was referencing so that was kind of the the challenge i was up against that and i don't know dust and sand have always been things i feel like i'm never like i'm never quite getting it right like i'm getting close and then something falls apart so Ongoing learning. Martin's pretty good at dust. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate that part. It's probably my least favorite part of the whole withering. What, dust or, or the lower hole behind the wheels? Dust dust and mud just... Yeah, they're important, but I don't enjoy them at all. Because, yeah, it's, it's so easy to hide everything you've built up so far. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many times you practice those techniques, the result is always unpredictable. 
you need to be on your toes all the time and think two steps ahead. Yeah, I, I, I do love it when dust gets to mix with other things. Uh, that's where it gets interesting for me. But yep. when, it's, when it's just dust, it's like, uh. I don't know. It's kind of zen, you know. You're just kind of working it where it goes. And it's it doesn't require, I don't know, the technical thinking of other things. I, I will say it it destroys my brushes. <laughs> that's the, uh, yep. man. Yeah, I buy cheap ones from like, um, you know, the dollar store or whatever. The pound shop get the. Uh, Why? What store. do you? What is it about doing the dust that destroys your brushes? Well, you're always sort of rubbing it and scrubbing it, and they always end up like. Yeah, you know, I saw. Yeah. I saw. Are you yeah. using pigments and you're scrubbing them in. Is that why, or is you doing? Are you doing most of your dust with oils? I mean, I'm doing oils and Mr. Weathering colors, which are basically oils. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's all this, it's all the scrubbing, all the stippling, you know, hitting it with thinner again to shove it around and blending it with other, yeah, just, I mean, I, I do buy like, you know, those cheap, like, you know, here are 50 brushes for $4 kind of, you know, bullshit off Amazon and they do the job, but man, they're gone in five minutes. (laughs) Well, you also have to be a bit careful of, uh, they do lose hairs if you see what I mean in your paint as well, because they're so cheap. So you have to, yeah. have to keep an eye on that as well. That's actually been more problem with my stippling brushes, which is really annoying because they're not cheap. The worst ones I've had are Revel brushes. They're really awful. Even ammo brushes like to shit some on, well, well, you know, bristles. So you said you had aircraft plans next year, Matt. What are you going to do? Are you going to reveal that or is it a big secret? So I will reveal it with the caveat that it may not happen because who knows what the hell hold, you know the future holds. But... Uh, I'm planning to do a 132nd P47N, the nice. the big nasty trumpeter kit. Uh, I'm going to go pretty much all out on it. You know, I'm going to bring in some 3D printing and things like that. I found a great reference for one because um, I, I, I honestly am bored by all the ones that are just bare metal with like yellow accents on them because that's what everybody builds. And they built the same damn things over and over again. And so I found one from the uh, from one of the other fighter squadrons that has like a blue cowl. And the nose art just says, Sherman was right. (laughs) Which I absolutely love. Yeah, I was like, I'm doing that one. Uh, And I've also, because I have have another P-47N that got sacrificed as a paint mule at some point. But I still have all the engine and all the ducting and all that stuff. So next to the actual aircraft, I'm going to do just the powertrain for the P-47. So all the way from the engine back to all the duct work and all the exhaust. And so... That'll be kind of like the side project, but I've built two trumpeter P47s now, so I know all the all the bullshit they throw at you. So hopefully, I can get this one through to a point where it'll actually look decent and bare metal. The more you pay attention to it, the more annoying little things pop up. Like the uh, like the wings are about half a millimeter too thick, and it shows and it shows up like at the wing root and then on the uh, on the tip lights. And so you have to kind of go in there and like literally shave the whole leading and trailing edges down but once you do that they fit wonderfully so sounds like you just need to practice your basic modeling skills man (laughs) yeah (laughs) fuck i'm screwed then (laughs) that shit just won't go away i had some fucking clown this morning coming at me with that shit what about you martin what are your big plans for 2022 besides you know walking again i have a list of things that i want to do in the next year and it's gonna be everything i haven't done yet like every model is gonna have something unique about it and it's gonna be things that have been requested for example 
things I had planned for a long time and so on. So, you know, I'm gonna try a diorama with water, something I've never done. And always had huge respect for everyone who actually can pull it off. So that's on the list. And, you know, things like oxide primer, unpainted steel. There was a requested model of a Serbian T-34 with rubber armor. So that's on the list. And currently I'm working on a completely 3D printed tank in 135th scale. Uh, one of those kits from resin scales. I saw that. That's really weird orange resin they send it in. Yeah, it's really ugly. <laughs> and painful painful to look at, and it, it was also hard to film. Yeah, I bet it was. And I got I had to practice some also some basic modeling skills because no matter how uh how many details they can put on a on a single print, like for example the hull with all the grab handles and cables and everything, it's still a resin kit. So it requires different techniques than styrene models. And yeah, there was a lot of filling with super glue, straightening up uh, bent parts. For example, the, ru- the running gear was bent, so the wheels were levitating. Um, the turret ring didn't fit. Well, technically it did, but it was designed uh not accurately so you know fixing of a lot of these things and and so on so yeah basic modeling skills lots of sanding chris has been doing a lot of sanding on 3d printed parts right i'm the king of fucking sanding this year i really am because <laughs> before the 3d printed one i was i was doing a lot of scratch building and part of it was a ship hull and just sanding the shit out of that because there's nowhere to hide well it's like an aircraft it's exactly like a fuselage there's nowhere to hide. If you've got lumps and bumps, when you put the paint on, they just pop out straight away. Whereas, I hate to say it, because people always say this shit, but on a tank, you can kind of get away with slightly iffy sanding here or there. Kind of. Not really, but kind of. Um, Tracy's over there shaking his head. But I, start, no, you're gonna, I think you're it gonna depends start on the that tank. rumor again. Well, it depends where on the tank, you know, but on an aircraft or a ship, because there's no detail on it to distract the eye. You just got this long expanse of a compound curve that you can't, you know. Any... Cover up with weathering. You cover up with mud. <laughs> just cover your target with mud. Magic modeling skills. Egypts. I was just going to say, I'm over here thinking that whoever printed those obviously should have just printed them at an angle. And then you wouldn't have to do all that sanding, right? They did. <laughs> it's just like a 3D shit and everyone knows it. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> you can just go hang out with Paul Budzik. I was going to say, me and Paul Budzik. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that laying down some hard truths. <laughs> Especially about the open system. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was like the perfect guest until that 3D printing thing came up. <laughs> so he was the perfect guest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, he'll be like, I don't like tacos. And Will's like, fuck this guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's not my hero anymore. That would be the end for sure. (laughs) Well, nobody doesn't like tacos, so you don't have to worry about that. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't like tacos, you just must be a communist. I mean, communists like tacos. Everybody likes tacos. Everybody likes tacos. Yeah, I bet they have tacos in Cuba. There you go. Oh, hell yeah. Anyway, so so Martin, you were about to go off on something about basic modeling skills a minute ago. 
before I so rudely interrupted you. Yes, sanding, because you were trying to sell me some fancy sanding sticks, right? And we kind of agreed that you don't really need them on tanks, because theoretically you could sand a tank surface with a steel wire brush and people would <laughs> applaud you and ask you how did you achieve that amazing texture. <laughs> and Chris is, Chris is like, they're just cringing. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they would. They would they'd be ah oh, that's great. I love that. Well, on the one hand I want to shout bullshit. On the other hand, it's night shift. And if he did it with a dirty pair of underwear, someone would go, That's amazing, it's amazing. How does he do it? Where can I buy dirty underwear? <laughs> exactly, exactly, Tracy, you absolutely hit that. They would ask, Where can I buy those? Can you give me an Amazon link? You need to invent some kind of technique. That's just complete and total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and start and start roll like start rolling it out there, and then let's just see. Like that should be your thing for 2022. And we'll you know we'll every time you post about it, we'll bounce in there and be like, oh yeah, that's all. That's legit. That's legit. I got it. I got it. We'll all send him our shagged out, worn out brushes, and he'll just use them in the video and be like, these are the best things ever. And people. Where can I buy them? Like for twenty eight ninety five, you can have this brush that has three bristles left. That's how I paint eyeballs. <laughs> okay, we'll take a break there. We've asked our former guests to send us New Year's messages for all you dear listeners. So uh, here's the first from Ben Schumacher. Hello to all the listeners of the Sprue Cutters Union. This is Ben Schumacher. My highlight of my modeling in 2021 was, well, not that much, but printing tons of ridiculously big stuff in 132nd scale and not doing any real modeling. What I'm really looking forward to next year is attending shows, hopefully meeting modeling buddies and getting back to real modeling. I wish you all the best for 2022. Happy New Year and see you then. Bye. Awesome. We got a message from Fabio. Hi, I'm Fabio Sacchi. And uh, yeah, 2021 is almost uh, the end. Uh, Wrapping up what happened this year on my model uh, activity, I would say I should be quite happy and satisfied. Three models finished completely on the base. Well, it's something that is not happening every year for me. Um, and uh, I would say also I enjoyed something which is not in my natural court, which is to say painting. Yeah, some improvements uh, has to be done, but overall I had the worst results in the past, I would say. And um, yeah, I already started uh, laying out uh, some project uh, for 2022, including some full scratch build project that uh, hopefully we will be able to share together and uh, hopefully you will like that. I would really wish everyone to continue enjoying modeling no matter what you are modeling. Important that you enjoy and get satisfaction out of it. And uh, I really wish you all a great 2022 and hopefully let's meet on uh, a contest or two around Europe. All the best from Fabio. Ciao.
All right, I've got a legitimate question, okay? Since right, it's the right. se- you know the season of it's keeping in spirit of the season, and we've been talking about uh, kind of things that we struggle with, let's go round robin and just say what what part of modeling is something that you really enjoy, like your favorite part. And I'll start. Uh, I've been working on this Japanese tank, and I, man, I really love doing groundwork. I love it. Just planting all the little plants and putting all the accessories in there and making your scene look believable and, and you know. I'm, I'm so jealous. Like, I, I like doing it, but I don't have an eye for it, and so that makes it a real struggle. Huh. Huh. I mean, I... Well, this is not about what you struggle with. It's about practice. Yeah. yeah. So you have to say that. I'm, I'm like replying can, to Tracy's comment. And I can say, like, for me, I feel like the way you study the weathering on, you know, a vehicle in real life, you you, you study the way plants grow in real life and, and a setting in real life and make a picture and try to, you know, try to duplicate it. Martin, what's your favorite part of modeling? I hate it. it, it, it it's work and everybody <laughs> hates their work. I was wondering if this was ever going to happen to you once you get, you know, decided this was your real job and got famous and you had to start beating off the groupies and yeah. You don't like groundwork? No, I said I hate everything about modeling. I don't enjoy a single thing about it. I got that. I got Sorry, that. Sorry, I, I didn't. That's what I thought. And then I thought, I must be groundwork. I like, I like buying kits. Hey, that's it. Nothing else is fun. Come on. Come on. There has to be one thing that still makes you look forward to going to your bench. I don't know. Surprisingly, it, it's probably buildings out of styrofoam. I mean, I'm, I'm getting that from your last few videos. Like you, It's really... Dude, yeah. You've become a miniature architect. It's fun. It's fun, yeah. So maybe one day when this whole thing, the whole th- YouTube thing burns to the ground, maybe I'll try making a living as a, you know, model, architectural modeler or something. But they'll be like, why is it all dirty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the clients probably wouldn't appreciate that. This is your building after the apocalypse. <laughs> Bullet holes in my wall. <laughs> Like, listen, like, yeah, this is your building, but it's how it's probably going to look like, I don't know, 10 years down the road. So take it or leave it. <laughs> well, whatever state they're in, your buildings have been amazing. I, I mean, I watch all your videos and I am, I, I think, I, I mean, I'm always astonished, but your buildings have been extra astonishing. Really cool. It's been really annoying to me Thank because you. my next, I don't know, four <laughs> or five builds, none of them are, you know, none of the settings is in an urban environment. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. I'm never going to get to make a building. It doesn't always work. And sometimes you just, you know, need to select something else. Or actually, sometimes a model, I just realized it and I, I was talking about it on Patreon, like, some models are just not a good diorama material because i don't know let's say the kit comes with closed hatches right so it immediately rules out a few options or maybe the shape of the tank isn't right you are you talked about that uh in the episode with marine van gils uh, like er, you said airplanes are not really good for dioramas because of their shape and i'm finding out that tanks 
some tanks also aren't. Basically, a long, super long barrel makes it really complicated yeah. to make a nice diorama or even a vignette around the tank. Because suddenly, you gotta decide, is the barrel gonna protrude out of the uh, base, which is usually a rule that it, like it doesn't work like that, it doesn't look good, or you're gonna have a ton of empty space just because of the long barrel, right? So the model, for example, that I'm building right now, even though I'd love to make a scenic base for it, it's just gonna be a standalone model. And then again, I think there's nothing wrong with that, to make a standalone model yeah. every now and then. Every, every time you need to force something just for the sake of doing it, it's it's not, you know, the right thing. Yeah, like, it's so you should listen wrong. to your instincts. It's forced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, your instincts are never wrong. Of course they're not. Matt, what's, what's, been, uh, what's your favorite part of the modeling process or modeling? So I'm going to go, I don't know if I'm going to call this my favorite, but it's a part that I enjoy and it's a bit out of, a bit out of the normal modeling thing. Um, that space between when a new kit is announced and when we find out whether or not it is really good or if it's shit the bed, I just, I, I, I love that period. Like right now, the, the Ravel Razor Crest is coming out and it looks like ass. I mean, it's got it does look like, like a dog's breakfast. Like it, it looks. Like, I mean, it looks like it was kid. It looks like one of the old, uh, you know, one of the old like was it AMT that did the old Star Wars kits back in the eighties. I mean, it looks like that. Yeah. You know, it's like well, it looks like a Revel kit. Yeah, but yeah. we deluded ourselves for a while that it wasn't yeah. going to be a yeah, Revel kit. Yeah, exactly. And it's like <laughs> and that's everything that a Revel kit like, should have. Yeah, I mean, it's got a flimsy, shitty box. <laughs> of course it does. It's probably side opening. Overly long instructions with fifty constructions. <laughs> just the ugliest instructions next to yeah. FX, Jesus. And so I, I just I, I love seeing that happen. Um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But also like Great Wall with their new P forty, it looks amazing. And so that's that's kind of like yeah. the flip side. It's 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 when things come out and they're just moderately good or bad that I'm kind of bored. But when they're just really bad or really good, uh, it's, hey Chris, it's a what about fun. you? Sanding. Scratch building. <laughs> Before we get on to that, I just wondered, actually, when a kit comes out and everyone bags it, a lot of times people go, it's awful, they be really mean to the manufacturer. Setting aside the fact, well, that's their fault, they made a shit kit. Does it put you off buying the kit, or do you sometimes buy it anyway, thinking, well, I know what the problems are, I know what to fix, I'm gonna, I know what I'm taking on, I'll do it. I don't like being obligated to fix a manufacturer's fuck-ups. It's more like, it, for me, it's more that comes down to the subject and if I'm willing to take it on. But, um, you know, the seeing the Razor Crest, like, put me off buying it because, I don't know, I mean, it's it's a cool ship, but it gets destroyed in the middle of the second season. and <laughs> I'd rather have a big-ass X-Wing to build or something, I guess. What about you, Will? Does it put you off? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Like, like with the Razor Crest, for example. Like, I always look at the Star Wars stuff, and I and I and I'm there's a part of me that's like, ooh, you know, if I was going to build a Star Wars thing, like I could see myself building an X-wing. You know, that's that's kind of an airplane. You know, sort of. But you know, and I think the Razor Crest is pretty cool. But if it's marginal at all, like I don't have this passion, you know, for building the Razor Crest. And so if it's marginal at all, and I see like the photos of that ridiculous, I mean, it looks, looks like it's made out of cast iron. The texture is so bad and the 
the molding. Because I know, I know, if I don't have a passion for the thing, fixing all that shit is going to drive me, it's going to make me want to throw myself out a window. Punch uh, a bunch of holes in your bucket of fucks on that one. Absolutely, because there's there's too many stuff that I there's 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 too many stuffs. <laughs> there's there's too much stuff that I know that I have a passion for where I can stomach all that, and I'll you know, and it's mm. uh, so yeah, I'm not going to sacrifice my time and energy on on uh, lazy manufacturing because that's what it is. Honestly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, for me, I have to really want the subject. You know, if it, if it's a subject I want and there's nothing else of it, then I'll take it on. But also. With the razor crest, I mean, people have said a few layers of primer and sanding. And yeah, you'll get rid of that texture, but you'll also bury half the small, especially recessed detail. You know, yeah, that's that's re- that's real easy to say from one or two sprue shots. But think about all the little greeblies and then things sticking yeah, out of that surface gonna that you're going to have to sand around. Dude, you're not going to sand that effectively. Uh, with, I mean, it, it, you might, but it's going to take you. A long time. Or you're going to have to mask all those little greeblies before you do it, and it's it's just not, yeah. you know, that that kills me. That it's just, I don't know if it's physically possible, basically. Well, somebody's got, but I, somebody's I, going to invent a little baby trowel, little little uh, little trowel, and you can just like <laughs> scrape the putty in there. I love that everybody talks about stuff, though. I, you know, I just don't, I just don't get these guys who are like. You know, we shouldn't. Why are we wasting time talking about this? It's just you know, if basic you want the kit, skills. buy it. If you don't want the, yeah, whatever. It's. I mean, why would you not want to know everything you can about a project before you invest yourself in it? I, I just, I just don't get that. So, whatever it is, I love the fact that people talk about it. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when you start a project with, let's say, limited knowledge knowledge and also low expectations that these projects <laughs> often turn out to be the most enjoyable in the end i think low you expectations know, is the your key expectations are so <laughs> one of your things sorry one of your things martin is efficiency so how do you deal with you know if the do you just not bother with kits like that or do you think ah oh, fuck it i'll do it or what do you think well it made me rethink the approach for example uh yeah i have i have a model in my stash that's completely wrong like it when you look close at it it doesn't really resemble the real thing and i was wondering if i'm gonna cut it all up and you know fix the shape and everything but suddenly i'm realizing that you have to decide like are you gonna go for a perfect model which you might never finish because you don't have time or you lose your drive or anything or you're just gonna live with the imperfections and end up with a, despite all the flaws, with a really nice model in your collection. You know, it depends, of course, if you're super passionate about it or you just like the subject and want it in your collection. So, yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's about compromises. But if it's something, if something is completely wrong and it's not worth investing your time in it, then probably just wait for another manufacturer for a few it's years not absolute though is it i mean if it's just like you say if it's a subject you're invested in you'll you'll make the effort but sometimes i pick something up that i know nothing about and i deliberately don't find anything out about it as long as the kit fits together i don't care you know just build it have fun finish next one but then sometimes it's if it's something i care about i have to fix it 
because sometimes there are so many other things that make that particular subject interesting. So if it's just a wrong shape of the turret or whatever, but there are many other things like tons of stowage or winter whitewash or huge diorama possibilities, then yeah, I guess these outweigh the one disadvantage. Um, yeah, and I mean, I know for myself, like a lot of times I have the most fun on subjects that I don't know shit about, that I don't care all that much about because then I'm not stressing about, you know, oh, the gun bay is two millimeters too wide or the, you know, the prop is slightly too narrow. Like I can just plow through it and have fun with the actual build and the painting itself. And it's, so if I'm going for like a slammer build, I usually pick something that I don't know shit about because that way I don't get bogged down in it. I just, man, I, I just don't pay a lot of attention to a bunch of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's got to be really bad before I'm even going to give a shit. Like, I've got to be able to see it, you know, pretty easily and go, yeah, I can't unsee that before I'm going to care. Like, I think somebody said that the that the that the propeller blades on the on the Hasegawa 132nd P40 are are wrong, and I'm like, meh. They look like propeller blades to me. <laughs> it's got the right number. That'll do. <laughs> Where's the? It's got it's got three of them. Where's the paint? <laughs> I just you know I don't I don't get super bent about that. Or <laughs> what I do is I just I just modify the story to suit the to suit the issues. <laughs> you make shit up. I just make shit up exactly. Like like specifically on that P40. You know, there's a couple of details that that set that make the difference between a P40M and a P40N, and I was and one of them is the little uh, landing gear indicators. You know, land gear down indicators that stick out of the wings. If if you're gonna build an N, they're supposed to be there, and so I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to do that. How can I make this be an M <laughs> replacement wings?" <laughs> <laughs> So you know that's it's and that and that ends up being kind of fun you, you know because I want to be able to back it up so I do my research and I'm like oh, okay that's plausible that works but yeah I was... it's a different story though when the problem isn't so much accuracy although it might be accuracy but it's more engineering and fit because there's a lot of Kitty Hawk kits I like the look of just for fun to build but when I heard they were just a fucking nightmare to put together that's what put me off it wasn't accuracy or anything it's just if I'm not really invested in the subject, I don't want to spend hours invested in putty and fucking sanding. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much the same way. I, I mean, accuracy, I can take it or leave it. Unless it's something like a P47 where I'm pretty knowledgeable, then it's like, eh, whatever. But yeah, if it's if the engineering is all fucked, then I know that that'll eat up my motivation before I get anywhere near primer. So yeah. better just to you know leave it in someone else's hands. That's why when people say basic modeling skills... They're, they're acting as if like well you know you need to use your basic modeling skills and finish that model and so well, i don't because i've got the option to go and build other models which are far better engineered and won't give me as much shit so if you've got that option why would you spend your time doing something you don't want to do i mean i just i think it comes down to like what people enjoy like some people love doing that shit i just don't happen to you know, it's like, yeah, I, I think my favorite modern tank is the British Challenger, the Challenger 1. And the last kit of it that was made was the old Tamiya kit, which is fine, but it's very dated now. I could fight it to super detail it, but I also know that somebody will probably be dropping one in the next 
you know, two or three years. So we'll just wait. Yeah. Get a right field or something. It's almost guaranteed, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the only tank they haven't kitted yet. <laughs> it does. It all comes down to which part of the hobby you you enjoy. I mean, as we've said many times, there's there's so many different skills that that go into you know finishing a a model, and it's all just which you know which of those turn you on the most. Let me just make a really hot take because when Matt mentioned Tamiya, I just I just remembered. Uh, did you guys see the new Hellcat from Tamiya, the M1, M18? Everybody, everyone is just raving about it, like the new gem from Tamiya, an excellent kit and whatever. And when I, when I, when I, when I looked at the model, like built out of the box, I can't help myself, but it, to me, it just looks like a, like a toy. Like some of the details are just atrocious. Like what's going on? I haven't looked too closely at the details, but I mean, no. I think maybe part of that is also kind of like the Tamiya house style of how it gets finished out. Because I mean, their aircraft kind of do that too, where they don't they don't really weather anything, and so it just kind of looks like diecast. No, I'm I'm not talking about the the actual finish of the of the of the model. I'm talking about the actual details that what you what you're getting in the kit. Like there's gonna there's supposed to be some kind of tube or whatever on the on the side of the hull. And I mean, I'm I'm no expert on Hellcats, but I've seen how the real thing looks like, and it's just so out of scale. Or there are supposed to be these tie downs on the turret, and they just look like pipes, not like you that's know, always been the trade off with Tamiya that they. Um... But it's not always the case. Some some of their kids really hit really hit that sweet spot. Like okay, this is slightly out of scale, but you know I can live with it. Of course, it's just my subjective feeling, but I feel like this is too much. To be honest, as much as I like this as is much too as I Lord simplified. Tampia, uh, Tampia, Tamia, I do. Um, Tampia. Tampia, I do um, open one of their boxes, knowing that I'm going to re- be replacing all the stuff like tie downs and things like that, and brush guards on lights and things like that, because that is something they just. It's a very sort of 1990s molding style, but because I, I'm not fighting the fit of the tracks and the hull and everything else, I'm willing to invest my time in it. But some kits, you open it and it's like, oh fuck, this is going to be a nightmare. And then on top of that, you might have to do the detailing. So they have a very different philosophy of their aircraft kits, I think. Uh, yeah. Now, granted, they are. I mean, compared to like, you know, you do a one to one of, say, the the Spit one and the uh, I'm going to try this Eduard Spit one. Um, <laughs> and and you know the Tamiya kit is definitely definitely simpler in terms of parts count, and I think it you know the surface detail is not quite as nuts as as the other one, but the engineering they put into it to get it together is just phenomenal. And I mean, I would say even if they don't even if they don't hit the the exact same level of surface detail because they're not really like you know they don't do all the rivets and kind of stuff, but uh. You know, they're still better than 95% of things out there in terms of surface detail. But I have noticed the armor side, they definitely simplify in terms of tie-downs and, you know, various other greeblies that go on the tanks. Um, I just don't care enough. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, their, their 132nd scale aircraft kits... They do some stuff. They do some detail stuff in there that is really is pretty astonishing in terms of engineering and molding. 
I mean, like you know, like like on the on the Merlins for for both the Spitfires and the Mustang kits, the plumbing. I mean that that shit is not trivial. Um, they they do a lot of little bitty tiny really crisply detailed parts that are no that are there for nothing more than the sake of detail. Yeah, and I mean Those like kids. the the landing gear on the on the P thirty eight, like the the gear bays are also just phenomenal. They have all the various ductwork that's actually in the things. I mean they don't have the actual like. There are a bunch of little wires in there that they don't get, but like the big plumbing ductwork, like all that stuff is perfectly replicated. And yeah, I mean, it's, I, I definitely think they have a different philosophy when it comes to armor versus aircraft. Yeah, I don't think their armor has changed a whole lot outside of the subject matter since, you know, the 70s when you got the little color catalog in the, in the box with everything. I mean, they've started putting Sponsons in the Shermans, but that's that's maybe it. Ooh, well, that's you know thirty years overdue. Right. But I mean, they they'll also do those little engineering touches that just 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 make me like, you know, smile and get all happy. The uh, like again on on the on the Shermans, like the Easy Eight, they've got a little tongue in the transmission housing so that the the upper hole just like slots perfectly onto it. You don't have that weird you know, gap or like lip or anything that you can get sometimes on other kits if you're not paying attention. It's just, it idiot proofs it, which I need. I'm just comparing the real thing with Is the model. Up now, yeah, you see that? Yeah. Yeah, good. I see it. Yeah, it's loading. Yeah, so you see those handles or tie-downs yeah, above the star on the turret. I'm just looking, I'm just looking at the real thing and yeah, they're just thin uh, steel rods basically, but on, on the model, they're almost thicker than the lifting hook that's oh, then the next to the dust shroud and he's just uh, i i don't know that's just i i get it it's sim it's simplified but i think that's just too much and also the protective cages on the headlights yeah. That, that's been always the problem of allied tanks well, Tamiya, with, with every they've model. always been bad at those things to be fair you know, I always expect to replace them when I buy the kit. Which, it, 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 it boggles my mind because they can do really finely molded stuff. I, I don't get why they can't do light cages and, you know, tie-down hooks. Like, Well, maybe it's because... The yeah, and I mean, I would, I, would, I would be okay with it because, you know, it, it has to be expected. But then I don't understand why everyone always collectively praises every new model from Tamiya, like the next new little gem from Tamiya, when it just needs a lot of work, no matter how good the mold molding is. compared to other kits, where you have to fight the thing together sometimes. And... I mean, I'm also, like, the well, the like the, the weld lines on the, on the turret look pretty nice from here, at least. So, I mean, that's... Well, I, think, I think it's a balance of what they do a good job of and what they... Don't. What are those little? Are those are, are those little things we're talking about? Are they molded separately, or are they molded into the to the side of the turret? They look like they're molded. Hard to tell, but I'd actually yeah, say they are glued on think because there is yeah. a really deep gap where they meet the turret, and you can't really mold, mold something like that. They mold it like a flat right angle where they meet. They wouldn't get the undercut. So the fact there's an undercut. Yeah. Makes me yeah. 
So this makes it even more un un unacceptable when there are separate parts. Eh, they strikes. could do them finer. <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree. That just looking at it, that's that that that's not as as delicate as stuff that 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 you see in their one thirty second aircraft kits for sure. Someone said to me recently that they mm. I was bagging on Airfix again, uh, shit, and um, <laughs> uh, they said, "Well, how come Tamir always gets a free pass? How come you're always complaining about Airfix?" And it's like, "Well, because things like that." to me on Tamiya don't bug me nearly as much as the crap I have to put up with with Airfix are those little nubs underneath the tools supposed to be wire tie downs uh, I don't yeah I, I guess they are um, the loops, yeah, yeah probably mm. yeah and those those they always mold on which is annoying but, but so does Asuka, Asuka or whatever do you know what I mean everybody does that what do you call that but that's, for example, not so terrible because you can you can cheat with paint and make them look like they're actually you know like this, actual tie downs. This reminds they're me not of out of scale, of basically. When people put they're dust on tanks, but... they put dust around footman loops, and it's like there's a hole there. The dust isn't going to collect either side of it. The dust is going to fall through, and they do it around things like that and hatches that people open. <laughs> Anything that opens, moves, or has a gap is not going to collect dust. But they sort of put dust evenly over every raised detail, and it just, just makes me laugh. Sorry. Yeah, that's why you often need to go with the with the wash over the whole thing again and make those parts yeah. make those parts darker again. That's what I do all the time, like reapply the wash in a few places. What do you what do Will? you okay. what do you tank nerds call that canvas bag around the base of the, the mantlet cover? Shooty, the mantlet cover, yeah, the shooty thing. Okay, so I'm looking at that, and that is a pretty sophisticated-looking part. I mean, they did a good job making that look like actual, yes. that's sexy as that wrinkly canvas. Well, it's yeah, good. the, the seams mean, in there, it's that's quite nice. But then I've seen people complaining because yeah, you can't move the gun. That's not trivial. Mm -hmm. It's like, why would you want to move the gun? It's not going I into combat. <laughs> I, I don't want it to look like a toy, but I want to be able to play with it like a toy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think th this is one where I'm definitely going to get one because I love the Hellcat, but I'm going to wait a little bit and see what the aftermarket world produces. Because, I, I mean, at least tracks. Like, I know I can't even find Hellcat tracks right now. They're just, they're gone. So I think the tracks on this are linked. Why do you, why do you have to, why do you have to wait, Matt? You can just design that shit. Print it up. No, I, I, I can That's use right, Fusion 360, them. but... Um, using it and using it effectively I are two different they're things. They're right, aren't they? The tracks on the kit. Yeah, but I hate Lincoln Lake tracks. They're perfectly fine. I, I just hate working with them. I'd rather have metal. So what was that, Martin? What was that, Martin? Hmm. I, I no, I think they're Martin, okay. I'm afraid. Don't. No, I mean I'm not saying they're bad. I'm well just saying detailed. I don't. They're well detailed. Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> This is what's going to save me when I finally decide to when when I finally decide to build a tank because I'm just not going to give a shit about a lot of this. He's going to use the rubber bands. He's <laughs> it's going to be a ninety I can see myself. I can see myself doing the whole tracks thing because I can appreciate with that your Freyu level you? of authenticity. <laughs> right, Frulius. Give me some, give, give me some frules. <laughs> The Lincoln links just fall apart when I'm when I'm trying to work with them. Just because I guess I'm just heavy-handed with them or something like that. But I mean, my 
R35, I broke the tracks like six times building that damn thing. And so it's like, fuck this. Just, I like things I can pin together and they don't move after that. Great. Jim and Barry have sent us a message. Happy New Year, everybody, from uh, Jim DeRogatis and Barry Biediger of the Small Subjects Podcast. Yeah, Happy New Year. A highlight of 2021. For me, it's a no-brainer. The uh, Military Miniature Society of Illinois got to hold its first Chicago show in two years. Um, the previous one in 2020 obviously was canceled because of COVID. And not only was there an incredible amount of inspiring work on the tables, uh, despite our friends from Europe and Canada not being able to come still, um, you know, it was a reminder of why we do this and the joy of showing our friends our work and the joy of being with those friends again in person. That is what the hobby is about to me. And it was uh, it was just wonderful yeah. to be there at the yeah. Chicago show. Yeah, I wish I could have made it. What was your highlight, though? I think my highlight was uh, probably starting this podcast, but more specifically hearing from people telling me that they wanted to try out the hobby of uh, miniatures, figure painting. That's That's been really exciting to me. I, I didn't even think anybody would listen, and it's it's been neat. Well, I think you've been doing a great job, and I think there's no uh, higher compliment uh, than bringing people to this hobby. No, yeah. Yeah, that's why we, that's why we uh, do BoxDioramas.com. That's why we do the podcast. What are you looking forward to in 2022? I, I know you're going to say going to your first show. Yes, definitely. Uh, going to MFCA, which is uh, in May near Philadelphia. Uh, that'll be the first show I go to for uh, pro- well, well over two years. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward figure. to that. Collectors of America. Yeah, that's on my uh, list uh, and maybe finishing this box diorama I'm working on and keeping this podcast going. Yeah, yeah. I keep waiting for you to say I'm sick of this. Uh, it, might, it might come sooner than you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say that. Don't say that. Well, thanks, everybody, and, and Happy New Year, and thank you, Sprue Cutters Union, for doing what you do. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year. Hello, Sprue Cutters. It's Mark from AFV and Air Modeler magazines. I hope you've had a, a, a good year uh, and I hope the hobbies helped you get through what's been another unusual time, uh, as was last year. Uh, and I know it's a good escapism for a lot of people just to blot out the real world at the bench now and again. Um, highlights for me this year, I think I really enjoyed the um, 135th scale BF109 from Border Models. I really enjoyed building that and putting it as part of a diorama and that's going to be in the 100th issue of Air Modeler, which I'm looking forward to uh, working on the turn of the year. Well, David's enthusiasm often rubs off on me. No, no not like that. I'm talking about 116th Armour. Where the go-to guys for the, all the upgrades and all the detail sets. So it's been great that there's been a big release of, well, not one, but two Stugs in 16th scale. And it looks like there's a few other kits on the way in 16th. So watch this space, check the website out and see what uh, what goodies David's coming up with. So to everybody who listens in, all of our readers, and everyone involved in the hobby, Health and happiness for 2022, and who knows, might see you at a model show sometime later in the year. So here's a question: If I'm gonna, if I truly am gonna make good on my promise to build a tank next year, which ones? Which I ones build? do you like? 
Yeah, that's the key. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I look. I don't think. I don't think that Olive Drab is nearly as boring as a lot of these clowns whine about. I like it. So I don't. I don't have a. I, I don't have a problem with Shermans. I think Shermans are pretty cool. They get filthy. Um, I don't. You know. Yeah, I get the whole thing with with German tanks having interesting paint schemes. That's that's cool. But I don't have any interest in them beyond that. Um, I, you know, and I, I kind of like more modern t- fuck i don't know i mean they they all look they all look the same to me so more more on a more in terms of the kit itself like which one am i going to be the least likely to be impatient with because for me the whole purpose of building a tank is going to be to get to the dirt part yeah mark four from tamia yeah that's the world amazing. war one tank like you can build it in one evening Who's- the tracks whose tank is that they go together in 15 Mark, minutes Mark, okay, british. british okay that's, the old trap is right. looking things yeah the wrong uh-huh. yeah. all right you can slap mud on that fucker and better if 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 wanted better better get it quick because they are just running out uh i was so lucky when i found it and of course it's the motorized version <laughs> so i paid 90 euros for it and i think the engine is completely pointless there like what's the point Modelers are not going to appreciate that, and RC modelers are also not going to appreciate that because it's too crappy for yeah. them. It just, just goes forward. Switch, that's, that's, that's all. <laughs> well, so let's yeah. say that I want to build a Sherman. Which one should I build? Tusker. Which kind of Sherman no, do you want Tusker. to build? No, you don't want oh, come to Come on, a don't make it hard. <laughs> Seriously, I want an easy answer. I don't want build instant a gratification. Zvezda. <laughs> you want castle? Do you want, you know, like, it's all over the place. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. 3D print one yourself. Know. Oh, I'm definitely not doing that. 100% not doing that. Meng, Meng Jumbo. Yeah, I mean, the, the Meng Shermans are really nice. Um, so are the Ryfield ones. From Meng, I want to get that one. Okay. Yeah, build, build the Cobra King, the first in Bastogne. I'm probably not going to build a specific tank. It's, it's got thick yeah. armor. It has white tracks, short barrel, and you can actually weld chicken wires on the thing because that's how they used them the uh the and it, it, it's the best looking sherman like the, in my opinion i like the firefly the fattest sherman firefly with some of that hessian netting hanging off of it that stuff's cool yeah good old m4a4 for me yeah uh, okay i can see this is <laughs> This is not getting me anywhere. I like the I like the fact that it's our fault that he can't choose a tank. Well, I'll tell you what I do. I got some. I've, I've mentioned it before. I've got some tanks built that I never painted, and because you want to get to the painting and weathering part, you ain't going to enjoy tank kits from the building point of view because they take a lot longer than your wingy airplane crap. So, I'll send you a built one and you can paint it. How's that? Oh, not good enough nope, for you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I built like ass. Nope, nope. <laughs> no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, it wouldn't matter if Paul Budzig built me one. I'm still not painting somebody else's okay. thing. That's that's just a hard point of... It loses the charm. Yeah, that's a hard point of ethics for me. I'm just not Actually, doing Actually, from another point of view, how you paint tanks is a very personal thing. You could build a sub-assemblies. You could build yeah. the whole... And you could find that out for yourself building it. So, Yeah. I just can't do it. It's exactly. why, you know, like I see a lot of guys do really amazing weathering stuff on diecast, and I'm just like, nope, nope, 
not. Nope. Well, I mean, what I about what about collaborations where somebody somebody builds it, hands it off? Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. It's like a threesome. I'm not interested. Okay, not having it. I want it to be Dude, me. No one's offering you a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not on this podcast. <laughs> Who who mentioned the Firefly? Tracy, you reminded me of that Firefly meme. Like, the 17-pounder won't fit, then put it in sideways. The radio won't fit. Cut a hole and and have it stick out of the back. The engine's not good. Get five car engines and put them together. Stroke tech. <laughs> I kind of I like the way this is going. That sounds like something I could get interested in. Actually, uh, Martin, I wanted to ask you, are you going to do more modern stuff? What qualifies as modern, right? Everything past World War II? Well, I'm currently working on one right now, so... Yeah, I I think I get a pass. AMX-50. Nice. French heavy tank with oscillating turret. Oh, that's the resin scales one, right? I just just found... Yeah, exactly. And I just found a really cool uh, post-shading technique that I'm just working on right now i had to i had to quit mid-work the the the, the lower hall is half airbrushed but i had to put it put it aside so i can Sorry, hang out with you <laughs> at least you can at least you see how much i love well, you guys at, at least you have to tell us what the cool new technique is oh. yeah so it's not post shading i'm trademarking it and i'm gonna call it posh shading posh. <laughs> posh shading posh <laughs> yeah i need to practice so that like posh, shading. posh shading but you wear a top hat yeah a monocle exactly. you wear a and monocle it's gonna be really fancy <laughs> basically it's like marbling but you're not marbling with black and white you're marbling with black and the actual color right so the first layer looks like complete crap and it's gonna get better from there because my problem with, with because my problem with uh, normie post shading was that basically everything was gone one, by the point the model was finished. You could barely see anything, or you need to be extremely restrained with dust and this kind of stuff. So my goal here is to make the post shading more posh and thus more visible when the model is finished gotcha so it's gonna be really probably it's gonna be quite over the top without any weathering basically basically the same approach you take with color modulation you need to really overdo it so you can see at least something when the model is finished so basically this is the same thing but just with post shading and you know adding stains and all of that sweet sweet stuff and it's going to be called, yeah, posh shading. Do you do any sort of crazy scheme, or are you going with the really boring, like, just French green? With like the really boring French green, yeah. You know, all <laughs> French tanks were painted with leftover German paint, right? <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't look too German to no, me. It's, uh, it's a really specific someone green was asking color. about what color would, I think it was an AML 40B, you know, that, that big one that the, the French hid. And then uh, produced after the war, and um, everyone was going. Well, it was hidden away. They would be using German paint because they had lots of German paint because the Germans were there with their paint and liked their paint and the German paint. And, uh, Germans invaded and uh, just brought all the paint. I'm like, so, so what's your evidence for this? Because it makes sense because Germans paint. And it was just like, it was one of those where a guy asks a specific question. A bunch of people give a ah. Oh, 
plain, complete guesswork answer. And then when I said, well, how do you know that? They all got really shitty with me. Why didn't they tell you, like, dude, it's common knowledge? <laughs> you should already you know don't that. don't know for sure, don't fucking <laughs> do answer. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, the, uh, the guide to these things. So pretty much standard dudes talking out yeah, of their ass. on the internet, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. What's what's the best solution might... for soldering my parts? Super glue. Super glue. <laughs> Saw that one. Saw that one. Saw that one. Yeah, or like yesterday there was some guy who was he asked a specific question about chipping fluid. You know, do I use hairspray? Do I abuse the commercial chipping fluid? And there's all and then of course there's the chorus of Yeah, I don't I don't bother. Tanks didn't chip, you know. This the Yeah. Social media. Such fun. Yeah, good times. Helpful people. It might, it might actually be my favorite thing. About modeling? <laughs> About modeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's endlessly, endlessly entertaining. Will's over there sharpening his knives while Chrome is firing up. What is plenty of time? Will, didn't you ever consider a series on your channel, uh, something like a comment come back like you'd be reading because these are public comments right and you can give your opinions on them did you really think about something like that i think that would be pretty cool i just can't bring myself to devote that much time to it man. come on just uh, at the just, end of every video just one little blooper reel where you're like look at this jackass i think i think <laughs> i think we should i think we should make that uh, I think we should just make that part of this show. Like here, here's one. All right, I'm gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna use names, but I'm gonna read this one out loud because this is just fucking gold. I mean, it, you know the the amount of misinformation that's out there, and and who it comes from is just, <laughs> it's astonishing. I know what this one is. Yep. Firstly, every saving them. Firstly, every product from Allclad are lacquer-based enamels, except Aqua Gloss. <laughs> right, Matt's rolling his eyes, and I'm like, okay, right there with the first sentence, you're Good already Lord. off. Okay, there is no argument to this. <laughs> well, I mean, except except for except, the fact that you have no fucking idea what you you're know, talking chemistry. about. It gets it gets better. It gets better. Tamiya panel lining products are also lacquer based. <laughs> Hence the issue with removing paint unless an acrylic base is applied. And this bullshit is coming from a guy who allegedly works for the paint manufacturer. And I'm just like, yeah, it's ne- well, maybe he's just a clerk. <laughs> <laughs> he technically he technically works for them. Technically. Maybe allegedly, I don't. I don't. Look, know. I drive it's this truck it, full of paint, so I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just never, it never ends, and it, it, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it, it does. It keeps me, it keeps me entertained and motivated to participate in Facebook. I like Facebook because it reminds me of when everybody's birthday is. There is that. Let's go around. What's the dumbest thing you've ever seen in modeling? Can you think of one? I don't know if I can think of one, but can you think of one? Oh, boy. This should be good. I like this. I like this. Man. All right, Dukes. You go first. I know you're going to have a list to sort through. This is going to be a challenge. Um, How long have we got? (laughs) um, Dumbest thing. I've... 
I've, I'm, I've got like 20 to choose from. Um, okay, I, 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 because I love just punching manufacturers, I'm going to say about a month after Tamiya released their, their F14, AMK comes along and says, we're going to do a definitive F14. It's going to be the D, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Pre-order it. It'll be out by the end of the year. And then it took like, what, a decade? Now, I know it wasn't that long. It was like three years or so. It's coming, it's coming. We promise it'll be amazing. It's coming. The pre-order just kept getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and it finally shows up, and it's got accuracy issues, doesn't build all that well, and generally people kind of shit on it. And uh, that whole thing was just dumb, especially all the uh, all the sunk cost fallacy people defending it to the death because they pre-ordered it. That was pretty dumb. That was definitely a gigantic self-inflicted gunshot wound. And then there's ammo's I mean, that's a, there's ammo's brass toothpicks too, which is it is. <laughs> <laughs> Those are pretty dumb. I mean, who uses a brass toothpick in the first in the first place? I mean, that's what airbrush needles are for. <laughs> you don't really like sticking to brass super glue, so you ain't gonna be applying any glue with that fucking thing. <laughs> All right, I see Martin over there nodding. All right, your turn. I think. It was when it was a modeling show when someone uh, put there a tank weathered with real dirt. Like actually, he just mixed dirt with water and speckled it on his tank. And someone was discussing there. I don't know if there were judges or whoever. And he just got into an argument with them. Like they were saying the mud isn't realistic, and he got all pissed. You know, pissed off like. How can my mud not be realistic when I used actual real mud? Like, what's not realistic about that? So you gotta use scale mud. Yeah, I can imagine he 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 was just so infuriated that people didn't understand his big brain move when all of us peasants are trying to achieve realism with these fancy paints, <laughs> while he actually cracked the code when you can just use a real mud mixed with water and achieve the ultimate pinnacle of realism and nobody nobody got that whole idea and yeah he was really angry about that and it, it was just it wasn't even funny honestly it was just sad maybe next you could do it with snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the most accurate model in the world for about 20 minutes <laughs> And then it's the soggiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that might be the second thing. Yeah, I actually saw this in Before a magazine. But it. it was like, I don't know, 15 years ago, you know, when products weren't so common and everything. And there was, this, there was an article about achieving a realistic snow. And so he was giving uh, multiple options, right? And there was baking soda, plaster, or whatever. And then he mentioned actual frost and snow like in scandinavian countries it's pretty easy because of their climate right in summer and then he said like yeah maybe you can put it in the freezer take it out take the photographs and that's it or yeah he didn't elaborate beyond that so maybe if you if you went to a show you would have to you know bring one of those you know walk-in freezers not no walking freezers <laughs> those those small freezers that you use for drinks you know and so on so maybe yeah you would bring the model in that put it on the table 
notified the judges like you have 20 minutes to judge my model because it's gonna melt or he gets a fancy one with a glass door and he just runs an extension cord and puts it on top of the table (laughs) (laughs) and then the judge opens the door no 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 the light will come on everything will melt (laughs) (laughs) that's a box diorama what are you complaining about (laughs) you'd have good lighting and and cold drinks (laughs) who's next You, you 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 haven't done one have you Nope. Oh, all right, mine's a bit general, so I don't know if this is going to count. The dumbest thing I see is when people complain about the price of kits. Because <clears throat> I really don't fucking care <clears throat> if you can afford the kit or not. Nobody cares if you can afford the kit or not. Whether or not you can afford it doesn't mean it's overpriced. And they never know how much it costs to make the kit. They don't know how much profit yeah. anyone makes at any stage of selling of the kit. They don't know about how much it costs to develop the kit. They don't know any of the costs... But apparently they're an expert on the price, on what on what it should yeah. cost. If it's cost too much right. for it's you, it's overpriced. Buy something else. I don't give a flying fuck. Yeah. You never see anybody <laughs> say this kit is too cheap. No, you never <laughs> no. see it. Although I've not bought kits because I've taken one look at the price and thought that's not a good sign. <laughs> I think mine is kind of a little bit like that. It's just you know the internet. Oh, hey, Robert sent us a message. I expect he wants to tell us all about Wild Bloody Model Expo again. Hello, all you sprue cutters, union members, fans, listeners, and haters too, of course. My name is Robert Kronbeke, and I was a guest of the union episode number five. Chairman of the Scale Model Factory Club in the Netherlands since 2007, and I'm also the chief organizer of Scale Model Challenge, better known as SMC, also since 2007. Although the past almost two years of the COVID pandemic have made it impossible to organize SMC, or any other show for that matter, it's perhaps not a bad idea to look at the good things that the past period has brought us. The Sprue Cutters Union being one of those highlights, as far as I'm concerned, and let's face it, Where would we be without the total geekiness of Chris, Will and Tracy for bringing us episodes of three hours plus podcasts filled with our sometimes controversial but always brutally honest view on the world of everything in scale? For me personally, one of the positive things is that I actually found my way back to the workbench. Certainly when I compare my current bench time to that of, let's say, two, three years ago, and as a result... I've actually finished a couple of long overdue projects over the past months. There are two events that I'm especially looking forward to in 2022. One, of course, is the World Model Expo that we will be hosting on July 1, 2 and 3 in our usual venue in Eindhoven, the Netherlands. After two failed attempts in 2020 and 2021, for obvious reasons, we can hardly wait to finally welcome the entire community of scale modelers and figure painters this summer and offer them one of the greatest experiences ever. We certainly had enough time to prepare ourselves for it. So check the website wme2020.com. Yes, indeed, that's 2020.com. But even before this summer, we also hope to welcome at least a part of the community on April the 9th at the 15th anniversary show of our club Skill Model Factory also in the same venue. A smaller event, going back to basics, but definitely worth your while. Check the website, www.scalemodelfactory.nl. And now, for something completely different, and some famous last words, 
I wish all of you out there a wonderful and much better 2022 in good health and may the gods of styrene, resin and paints bless you. Happy New Year. Oh, hold up, fellas. We got a message from Adam Wilder. Let's have a listen to that. Hey, everyone. The past few years have been difficult for all of us. I've been missing my social life, and I really miss my friends and family even more during this time of year. The holiday parties at my friends' and parents' places used to be pretty crazy. Now, like most of you, I need to be careful because of work. I cannot bring this virus into the school because it could really affect the, both the students and my program. One might think that I have more time for modeling these days, but that's really not the case. In fact, this has been one of the most challenging school years for me since I started teaching. Only now am I really beginning to get on top of everything. We're almost through December. In an odd way, I've become accustomed to the social distance in life. I didn't take on a summer job this past year. I wanted to take those months to stay safe, relax, while getting more modeling time in. I was able to complete one rather involved subject while obtaining a great start on one that I hope to have finished within a few weeks. Applying the finish to this latest subject has been both time-consuming and thought-provoking, although I am happy with the results. I am still learning, and that helps to keep the hobby exciting for me. This past year has been like the ones before. I knew when taking my current position I would never again be as prolific as I was in the modeling world. But that's okay. I like the new life that teaching has opened up for me within my community, and I find that I enjoy mod the modeling time even more. That was always my greatest fear when working professionally in the scale modeling industry. It was losing my interest for scale modeling. This has been a year of podcasts. At first I was reluctant to be involved with any of them, and not doing so would have been a big mistake. I am happy that people are still interested in, in what I have to say regarding this crazy pastime that we all love so much. I felt even more motivated as a result. Again, thank you everyone. You're all incredible, and I'm happy to be part of this interesting hobby. During this upcoming year, I'm going to be doing more German subjects again. I do most of the complicated assembly and painting steps during my days off from work, when I'm awake and sharp. During those evenings, I like to do the simpler stuff on new subjects such as cleaning parts, texturing, and adding weld seams. I've been doing these easier tasks while watching YouTube vids and sipping cocktails. You know, just relaxing. I find these simple but important steps the most enjoyable part of the build. One can develop a fairly good idea of what the finished subject might look like once it's completed. As a result of these tasks, I have three partially assembled subjects in my display case, and I am not a fan of shelf queens. So now I have a lot of PE to bend and solder. Happy holidays to everyone for now. See you all on social media. Stay safe and thanks again. Adam. Oh, that's nice. Moren sent us a special message. Hello, Moren here. Happy holidays. 2021 was still a bit special, but I'm an optimist. So for me, I could see there were already some improvements compared to 2020. For me, no shows yet, though. No modeling shows. That would have been nice, but it didn't happen this year yet. But at least in between waves, uh, we could uh, come together with the modeling club, with KMK a little bit from time to time. And I think I enjoyed this more than any previous year, simply because uh, 
we could again see each other and have some fun modeling and talking about models together in the flesh instead of only online. That was really great. But I think my modeling highlight of 2021 uh, was actually uh, modeling with a view on the seaside, on the Mediterranean Sea. Um, this year, me and my family could, could go on, on holiday again. Uh, to Turkey, which we usually do, and we stay in a in a holiday house uh, next to the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And well, last year we couldn't, of course, but this year it was possible again. And I really, really enjoyed just sitting at the table on the terrace in the shadow with a view over the beautiful Mediterranean Sea, nice and blue, great weather, just relaxing and doing some nice uh, little modeling. That was really, really enjoyable. So I hope we can do that again in 2022. Another highlight of last year, discovering scale modeling podcasts. Now I can finally do some modeling without being distracted by the constant screaming and yelling of my children in the background. Uh, I also hope that shows will uh, be happening again. And I hope I can meet you there and see the great models that you surely have been able to finish uh, during the lockdown times. See you there, and Happy New Year. Bye. Some, some guy, uh, I forget what, he was, what forum he was posting on, but he was asking about, I, I don't know, a certain type of weathering, or, or can I use this with this? And some asshole just came along and his only response was, try and find out. And I was like, that's the least helpful thing you could say. Like, he's like, well, I mean, that's what he asked. What am I supposed to do? Like, tell him how to do things, do his work for him? And I'm like, no, but if you know how to do it, you can offer some advice and steer him in the right direction so he doesn't ruin the model he's been working on. Like, unhelpful advice is probably the dumbest thing I see on the internet. Just people who are just fucking... You know, some clown came on the uh, 116th uh, stud build page, and he, he's probably going to know exactly, uh, well, he might not listen to this, but uh, the only comment he made was like, I hope he the, does. <laughs> the, the tracks cost more than the kit. I'm going to buy metal. I'm like, well, that's, who fucking cares? Like, why are you posting that? Like, my opinion is this, man. Like, <laughs> like everyone's going to turn around and go Jesus I didn't notice that oh my god <laughs> you know I was going to buy it until that one guy came on and said he wasn't going to buy it and then he changed my mind and I you know the discussion went on about like you know the 3D printed tracks and blah 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 and this guy sent me a private message that because all I was doing was explaining like Okay, these uh, you know these T Rex tracks. I have the Panzer One T Rex tracks. They sag really naturally. They assemble brilliantly. Like they're they're really great. And he equated it to a fad, like a new iPhone. And I was like, well, you don't have to buy them. And then he sent me a private message. Uh, and this will probably get edited out, but uh, it worked. He called me. He called me a dumb, sensitive faggot. I saw. I saw that. Yeah, that was lovely. And then I was like, hey, I just happen to know the moderator of this page. And so I sent the moderator some <laughs> uh, some screen snaps, and he doesn't live there anymore. 
Adios, motherfucker. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing you're dealing with sometimes. I mean, it's... for fuck's sake, it's yeah. a model kit. How does it go from these kits are too expensive to that insult? It's just absolutely bizarro world. And you're you're a guy who doesn't actually have his hands on these tracks. And I'm telling you, like, okay, they, they do actually. They assemble really fucking quickly. It's, oh, it's a breeze. He also and said, they, didn't he, that they don't sag. And it's like yeah. anything with weight that moves is subject to gravity. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, said, I said, well, it's all about tolerances and... and uh, and design, you know, and, and the tolerances on these things are so delicate that they do sag naturally. If they don't sag, add another link, then they'll sag. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, and he said, oh, you must have made them sag. And it's like, yeah, no, that, that, that's no, kind I didn't. Of, that's, that's modeling anyway. I mean, I don't want to go basic modeling skills, but it's quite easy just to tap something to, to make it curve. It's not exactly a basic modeling skill. <laughs> But also arguing with somebody who actually has the product on hand and you don't, you know, you're just like pulling things out of air, thin air. And I'm like, well, no, that's not true. You know, I've, I've actually got them. That's not true. And, and arguing then ultimately, about something you're not going to buy. Yeah. Why does you've it already, <laughs> You've already come out. Well, because maybe you need to convince everybody else that that's a waste of their money. Too. Yeah, it's like some kind of fucking crusade. Don't buy them. Don't buy them. Or, or do. Nobody cares. Like, don't come on the internet and tell people what you're not going to do. I feel so much better. This is catharsis. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on the other hand, let me counter that, because um, when someone asks, can I mix this with that? Um, sometimes I really just feel like it would be faster for someone to just try it. You know, it takes them three minutes instead of waiting for an answer for a day. And... Sometimes I know it's different when someone just posts a question and anyone can answer and it's different when someone asks me directly. But sometimes I get this que these questions like, can I mix this paint with that? And it's paints that I never even heard about, you know, so I have no idea. So I just say, well, I, I don't know, but it's not going to, it's not going to, no nothing's going to happen if you try it out somewhere aside yeah, or something. You just try it on a piece so... of wood or anything, right? Yeah, sometimes I sometimes I don't understand when people ask these really specific questions, and it can be in Facebook groups or wherever. It doesn't. It's not gonna ruin your life if you try mixing Tamiya paint with I don't know whatever Gunze. Just Gunze. I'm not sure about it. <laughs> Just yeah, don't well, do it in your airbrush. Well, well I that, need to put you up on that. That, that, gets, that sounds that, like someone's angry or aggressive all the time when you say <laughs> it's like Gunze. You could just say, but every every time, <laughs> every, every time I every time I every time I watch an old Bruce Lee movie, all those guys sound super angry. Well, so they're fighting. I'm saying, <laughs> well, not everybody's well, so Martin, fighting. Martin's Martin's thing fits right into one of my favorite dumb things because I'm like mad. I got an endless list of them, and it's that fucking chart. Okay, you guys have seen it, right? There's several different versions of it. It's a little chart that's got uh, kinds of paint oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in both the on both the left hand side and across the top, and it's got little colored, you know, green check marks for you can put uh, acrylic on top of lacquer, but it's got a big <laughs> red X where you can't put a lacquer on top of acrylic. That is one of the dumbest things in modeling. It's I mean, and I don't have to explain to you guys why, but, you know, there's always some, you know, like Martin said, somebody will ask, hey, can I put this on top of that? And somebody inevitably is going to, 
you know, very authoritatively pop out the little chart, and I'm, <laughs> I can never resist. Well, I'm a weak man. You need to know if it's a lack of based enamel. That's the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all those all clads. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one of the dumbest things has to be when someone tells you you can't, you're forbidden to put acrylics on top of enamels or oil paints. Like, yeah. It's a such a such an unspec- unspecific term or a statement. Like, are we talking about a thick airbrushed layer or just a just a smidge of paint? You know, because they never they never uh, say any specific reason why you shouldn't. You know, and I never cared. You know, and the, when I was painting the last diorama, I noticed why because I painted the manhole cover with rust colored. Uh, enamels and I was putting an acrylic uh, dust wash on top of that and yeah there's higher surface tension so you really need to work that acrylic paint in so so it doesn't leave tide marks but that was a, that was about it see so, consequences consequences some of, some of, some of these <laughs> going back to you know people are people are saying that like you're gonna destroy the entire model with it or whatever well, granted, a lot of these questions. I <laughs> I joined a car modeling group like six months ago just just, just for the shits and giggles, just to see them, <laughs> just 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 for the fun. <laughs> and a lot of those guys are trying to use spray cans, and so you get all of the you know just you you know it, it's equally balanced between people who have used Rust-Oleum paint and have had a complete meltdown literally uh, of their model, and then the guys who are like, oh yeah, Rust-Oleum's great, it's the best thing ever. You know, and yeah, when you're, I mean, this is going to sound shitty, but whatever. When you're painting at that level, there might be a need for some stupid rules. But yeah, beyond that, no, not so much. Just don't. Oh, Martin, do you know about the Breaky Fingers Club? I have this club called the Breaky Fingers Club. And it's modelers that are so good. Uh The next time I see them, I'm going to break their fingers. And you're the new president. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you don't you don't have to you already had your vengeance on me because i was just i just remembered this because when i was starting to film the video about the 3d printed tank i was trying to make an intro but the audio sucked so i so i scrapped it but i i was trying to you know, to compare different resin kits or resin conversions or whatever with with the model and I have this Churchill conversion from you and I remember messaging you like several years ago like is this still available? Yeah. How much does it does it cost? 60 pounds. Okay, I PayPal'd you the money and okay, it, it arrived. You didn't scam me. So that that's that's okay. <laughs> but it's it's one it's probably one of your your own conversions <laughs> like from the in, yeah, the inside yeah. inside the armor conversions for a uh, Churchill Mark 3 with a cast turret. The cast turret. Oh, is it a Mark 1/2? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe doesn't matter. It's a conversion that, for me. Is that the turret? <laughs> and it's it's. Yeah. How do you yeah. have that just sitting? Yeah, there? it is. I've got a box of bits and, under my table. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is now this is. And it's the most terrifying thing I ever saw. Like I'm actually scared of trying to Why? build that. <laughs> it's that typically yellow resin that just screams trouble at you. Uh. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, this is the not going to be about easy. It's naturally that's that's its color. The, the when you get different color resins, it's not different resin. It's the same resin with a dye in it. 
Yeah, I know. So, so say resin. It'd be fine. So, so, you, so, so you can guarantee. So you can guarantee it's gonna fall together. Like it's gonna be a complete yeah. slimer build. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like there was a subtext here. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to say it's shit. Up. It's the worst kit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to put this on air. No, I'm just scared of building it. <laughs> They're kind of, well, I, I'll tell you now, if you put it on eBay, you'll get twice as much for it. Because for some reason, the price of them's really gone up on eBay. So you could buy a different kit. Sweet. <laughs> that you like. That you like. <laughs> And Will, I was Will. I, I was looking at your channel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it there. Will Patterson. You, you must have a lot of spare time now since you bought those single bladed cutters. <laughs> a lot of time. I'm, I'm in the, your video sections, and I'm gonna sort them so I can see your most popular ones. <laughs> and, oh. Your two most popular videos. The first one is the review of Tamiya panel line washes, and yeah, the thumbnail what's... is just pure gold. This this completely pissed off face <laughs> that you have there. <laughs> and the second the second video testing Tamiya X twenty two clear gloss. You have that beanie hat and long beard. You look like some like like one of those self self help gurus. <laughs> really? Because. I don't know any self-help <laughs> gurus that look like that, but because <laughs> it is weird to me that those that those that those two are so popular. I I still get people asking me questions. I had a question about the Tamiya gloss one the other day, and I'm just like, dude, that was like three, four, five years ago. I don't know. Five years ago. Yeah. I mean, my yeah. most popular one is the one, the really short ass video about you can pull the little brush out of the Tamiya extra thin to make it reach the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's an, it's the ultimate life hack. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the little bullshit video, and it just keeps chugging. It's probably yeah, paid for like no, ten kids. No, no accounting for taste. That's for sure. Are you gonna watch? Are you I mean, gonna? The, the algorithm gonna, just works. Are, are you gonna watch my Fusion nope, three sixty demo that I just did? That's that's the real test of of your loyalty, right there, man. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm gonna do it right now. <laughs> Bye. Because I'm finishing the paint job on the MX. <laughs> See you. See you in an hour. Actually, see you in eight hours after it puts you to sleep. <laughs> That's the thing when you when we when you said that you're gonna build a tank that you're not gonna be really caring about the nuances, and I can already see the five plus uh, one hour long videos where you go through uh, different uh, steel textures and weld types. The first one's gonna be titled "Oh my God, tracks." <laughs> <laughs> You are probably not wrong. And actually, you know, who needs to watch that that Fusion 360 video is you, Meddings, because it's the perfect ammunition for you about why you never want to do Fusion 360. I'm too busy scratch building, drink, to watch a video about Fusion 360. (laughs) (laughs) So, Martin, I think I've I've figured out a, a trolling technique that you can roll out to people. Airbrushing with your eyes closed. <laughs> to get to get authentic ran- to get authentic to random get, textures. There you go. To get truly <laughs> random finishes. I sometimes do something similar when 
I'm airbrushing and I'm constantly checking if my hand isn't in the in the shot. So I'm basically looking at the camera screen while airbrushing. I, I have done that. Time. <laughs> it's like sticking your arm inside those big glovey things when you're working with hazardous chemicals, like or with a sandblaster. Yeah. Maybe that's what I should do. I constantly get complaints about going off camera, and I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, I hate it. So maybe I should just do my eyes closed. No, I, yeah, there's nothing like getting a, a video clip and realizing that half the part is in the screen, and yeah, you're like fucking yeah, with yeah. It, like, the bottom right corner. I, I tend right. to get the that hair, with detail parts. The hair on the back of your knuckles is in perfect focus. <laughs> yeah, or when I lean over and get the back of my head in the shot, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the, the best solution for that is to put the camera directly above the, the workbench and point it down. Yeah. You, you need to rotate the model upward and work some, in a somewhat uncomfortable position, but at least the shot is going to be good. Yeah, I've got mine kind of like a parrot, kind of like on my shoulder or over my shoulder. Because if, I found if I had straight down, I was getting like all kinds of weird reflections off the bench surface. I make sure to put mine as close to my head as possible so I can just constantly bump into it. <laughs> oh, that's the bad, yeah. Just to remind me that it's there. Why can't someone make a GoPro that's not like super wide angle? I mean, that would be perfect. But here's speaking of inventions that we need. Here's one I'm going to run by you, Matt, because I think this would be fucking genius. Because what I'm up against right now with the Ming Hornet is that goddamn red edge on all ten of the gear doors. So when is somebody for the truly lazy modeler out there, Tom Annis, I'm talking to you right now. When is somebody going to make either decal sets for each kit, you know, little red outlines that you can just apply as decals or a set of masks? Masking, that would be a... So I'm not as familiar with the Super Hornet as I should be. Or no, fuck that. I'm just not familiar with it. Um, Is it a red border on just the doors or is there like... Is there red on the inside parts too, where it's like the outer door and then like the thicker inner parts? Yeah. Well. Okay. So, I mean, it depends on 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 how much accuracy you want, because when you look at at reference photos of those, I mean, that's just a thin. You know, the edge of the door is super thin. Yeah. And I can't I can't tell if that red stuff is some kind of weather stripping or if it's actually just paint. But obviously, it's only on the inside of the really thin lip of, of the door itself, which if you, you know, the edge of injection molded gear doors are like two inches thick at scale. Yeah. So do you only paint the inside face? Do you paint the edge too? Yeah. So there, there are some uh, dipshits out there who say, buy a red paint marker and just draw the outline. <laughs> um, <laughs> which There's is another one for... Um... For uh, dumbest thing in modeling, sharpies for panel lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or pencils. Pretty, pretty high up on the list. Did you see sharpies for yeah. pre-shading? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like encouraging people to do that just to watch what happens. <laughs> oh, that's cruel. <laughs> hey, you gotta learn. You got you gotta learn lessons. Um, but yeah, for for doing the red the red outlines, what I've done in the past is I spray the damn things red first. Yep. And then I just spray so that I'm not spraying at the edges. So, you know, and I'll, I'll usually go and I'll paint the inside, like, black again just to get rid of any sort of red pollution. And then paint yeah, it yeah. white. 
Uh, but just spray some spraying out over the edges as opposed to at the edges. And so then you get that nice clean border and then do the same thing with the gray on the other side. Yeah, you're not getting away with that on this kit because it is definitely supposed to be on the inside face. So you've got so you've got some masking to do on the inside face then. Yeah, and, and I and I've decided that I'm gonna do exactly what you just said. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna blast the edges with red and then ma- and then I'm gonna mask off the edges because that's the easiest masking challenge is to and then and then just come back and, and shoot some black on it to kill the kill the red pollution and and then spray some more white on there. But we'll see. But but it's gonna be tedious because there is literally ten of those little doors. You could always uh you could always do a Chris Becker and just do it gear up. <laughs> yeah. It's a good it's a good enough reason to do the fucking thing in flight for sure. I mean, I've actually I've got it sitting right here um because of every everybody's troubles with the Ming Hornet, I went and bought one of the fucking hobby boss ones just cuz I want to see how bad it is too. Um but I'm thinking about doing it wheels up just to spare myself the pain. I I wish I wish that I had cuz like the gear on that kit are really nicely molded, and the engineering is good, and the and 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 and, but the fit is like not quite great, and 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 so you've got all these horrible seams and joints. You know, if you look at the landing gear, any kind of close, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It, not fun. Tracy, I think you were going to say something a second ago about the red thing. Well, I was it, it brought to mind and and I don't what I was going to ask is was this an April Fools joke or did somebody actually make like it might have been Mig, I don't remember, but the tiny little paint roller set. <laughs> it was like that. it was like literally like a roller that you would roll the wall with but in that was uh, that was Ushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ushi was that real? Thing. I think it was a thing. Yeah, I think it was a thing. Did it did anybody buy that little paint mm-hmm. roller? It's not gonna. It's uh, but it's not gonna help me here. I don't have it. I'm not no, trying I, to help you. you. I'm the ultimate. You asked me what I was about to say, and that's what I was about to say. I, I'm not trying to help you. I'm I'm, I, I'm the ultimate tool whore, and even I didn't buy the little paint. That's roller. the thing. I don't know anybody who did, and and I really I I thought it was a. I think you throw them away. Oh, so and you have to like, buy yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I could have sworn it was an April Fool's Tetra Model Works are a leading producer of premium photo etch sets for all kinds of modelling genres from armour to ships to aircraft and more they make some of the best PE you can buy and I know because I use it myself I love it so much I even sell it in my own store the design is outstanding Sharp and clean detail, well-designed folds and easily constructed assemblies. Easy to use, their high-quality brass is just the right thickness and strong so it won't break on you. Their sets provide the maximum of detail, but never with parts you don't need or can't use. Instructions are clear and very easy to follow. Sold in hobby stores around the world, just look for Tetra Model for the very best in photo etch and accessories. You can find a full list of their distributors at tetramodel.com. That's tetra, T-E-T-R-A, model.com. Inside the Armour is a leading publisher of scale modelling books, and we are now excited to announce that we are also stocking SEALS Models 1700 Japanese ships. These are plastic kits of Japanese pre-dreadnoughts and exploration vessels. In addition, we are selling Tetra Model PE, Yamashita Hobby, 
and a range of other exciting and interesting modelling items. Go to www.insidethearmour.com for more. How about we go around? What are you guys looking forward to modeling-wise in 2022, Tracy? Uh, I have to do something real quick. Hang on. All right, Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, finishing the finishing the fucking Hornet because it's clear that I'm not going to finish it by the by the 31st. You think you're going to finish it in 2022? So <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to finish it. I mean, I'm not, you know, no, it's it's not going to beat me. But in a way, I'm kind of relieved because I, it's, you know, I was really looking forward to it just being a fun, relaxing thing. And it's definitely turned out not to be. And so what's going to happen is, is that when I, you know, since I'm definitely not going to finish by the 31st, when I get to the painting and weathering part, <laughs> you know, whenever that, whenever that ends up being, I'm going to be able to just take my sweet time and just enjoy it. And that really is my favorite part. That's, that's the whole reason that I, that I wanted to build the thing. I, you know, I love a filthy Hornet. And so, yeah, I am actually looking forward to Tracy? that part. I'm looking forward to traveling and seeing everybody in person again and seeing everybody's awesome work. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Me too. Hopefully. Yeah. Let's Martin. look for that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to being healthy again. Oh. Are you actually on your feet yet? <laughs> That's. Yep. Oh, I can God. show you. There's no video. <laughs> <laughs> he can show the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, he's standing. Woohoo! And shaking his booty. <laughs> oh, so glad I haven't got video. <laughs> Come on, you. He did it right in front of the Christmas tree. It was like a Christmas miracle. It's <laughs> a Christmas dance. <laughs> All he had to do was put a bow on it, and it would have been the best gift ever. <laughs> was I blending in with the tree because of the of the green shirt? All I want for Christmas is Martin's butt. We've been talking about Martin's groupies. I think we found the president of the family. Uncle Nightbutt. What about you, Matt? <laughs> uh, um, finishing the Phantom is definitely high on the list. Uh, other than that, I look forward to destroying a lot of resin in attempts to get things to actually 3D print and not fuck up. Anything in particular? Uh, um, well, I've got the T10 mine exploder thing I'm working on right now. Um, oh, yeah. And the, yeah, I mean, I've got, shit, one of the things just came uh, Got one of the wheels here kind of doing its thing, but That's nice. I've got a lot left that I've got to, that I've got to make happen. I actually so. saw a really cool photo of one of those and the building behind it. It was like a perfect uh, storm where you had just posted something and Martin had just posted his video and I was like, oh, this is it right here. Like, <laughs> You build the building in the background, you build this thing, and then you put it in the freezer for the snow. snow. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, and, typ- and and a typical YouTube comment question comment question would be, "Are you gonna make a an, are you gonna make an exploding mine underneath <laughs> underneath that?" <laughs> People always ask for the most ridiculous. Just save that for the judging, so they can experience it. <laughs> be like a Banksy thing where the bottle just explodes <laughs> in the middle of the lights up. <laughs> <laughs> most realistic explosion metal. <laughs> but it's, it's there's all this build up and it's just it's like one of those little pop caps you throw on the ground it's like, <laughs> as, a, as a little thing that pops out that says bang <laughs> alright Meddings what's, what's, what are you looking forward to most besides hanging out with me Actually, and Hancock yeah, one thing I'm really looking forward to is uh, doing more of this speaking to more people and maybe getting to our first full year of doing the podcast I'm really looking forward to that yeah. But also, I'll be scratch building another French pre-dreadnought next year, and I'm looking forward to starting that. But you won't be able to talk about it because it'll be a secret project. No, it won't. This will just be this will just be for me. So uh, <laughs> I'll be talking about it like I normally do, way too fucking much. <laughs> you won't be able to go on Facebook. Trust me, I'll be plastering that fucking thing with photos. Here's the bit I sanded. Here's the bit I sanded again. You can't tell, but I've been doing more to it. Here's the first pass. Here's the second pass. Yeah. <laughs> Tell what I did. I'm going to start documenting my meals like that. Like, here's the meal. I've eaten one bite. <laughs> I've eaten oh, another God, bite. yes. Meal in progress. <laughs> Do it. Make a video, like, showing how you cut the meat with the knife and fork. <laughs> Those AMSR ones, really slow. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have comments like, I use spoons to cut my meat. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, just tell people you you absolutely can't cut meat with this type of knife. Yeah. <laughs> you can't put carrots on top of a, meat. You need a chart. You can put peas on top of meat, but you can't put carrots you, on top of meat. You peas. need a chart for that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That. Absolutely. Or just uh, a picture of the dishes and talk about what a great meal it was. Like I've got a friend who, whenever they go out to eat, as a sort of a counterpoint to everybody's photos of their meal, they just take a picture of the imp- the, the dirty, empty plate. And, like, tell you what they had. And, you know, I've only seen one picture when the food was actually on the, still on the plate. And it was because the food was really bad. <laughs> we could start doing that. Just post photos of our, of our empty kit boxes in the trash can. Mm. I used to post videos of myself throwing the box away when I was done. It was a lot of fun. And then, of course, you get the sh- shrieks of outrage. Why don't you save your kit box? Cut the box right out and frame it. Frame no. it. <laughs> I was about to say, I love it when someone just gives up on a kit and puts it in the bin and fo- posts a photo of it. People are like, oh, send it to me. Oh, why did you do that? And it's like... Mm-hmm. Starving kids in the third world could have eaten that right, kit. Right, right. There's kids who'd build that. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, there aren't. <laughs> And then you'd be asking why we don't have so many new kids in the hobby. <laughs> right. No, they wouldn't because the, hob- the hobby's dying. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The hobby's dead. Well, this has been good fun. This is the, this is the perfect embodiment of, of that thing on Paul Budzik's channel. I got it right this time. A small group of men with no ambition other than to discuss matters of little importance but mutual interest. Or, as we like to say. Come up with some sort of plan for the show before they started. <laughs> As we like to say, just talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> Five idiots on the airwaves. Making that shit up as they go along. 
And then when Chris is anything, it he needs to he needs to come up with the title for the for the for the episode and for the for the topic. <laughs> no, That's I, my think, favorite I think part of the show. I think we let Martin yeah. do it because Martin's titles are the best. Like I still laugh about the duck thing with the whatever that tank the was. The quackening. The qu- the quack <laughs> the quackening. <laughs> the quacken awake. Sumwa. <laughs> And there was, you know, there are the typical YouTuber titles for dioramas and shit. How to build an epic, mega realistic yeah. diorama. <laughs> build a museum quality diorama. <laughs> and one guy went, went, went the extra one. mile and he titled it Building a Giga Realistic <laughs> Diorama. <laughs> I'm gonna start I love using this, that. Like, there's some sort of inflation. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it. You, you're trying. You're, you're trying. You're trying to. You're trying to promote your video, but be <laughs> humble, guys. Yeah, know? it gets to the point where the title tells like, you the quality without. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's gonna be without shit. going much further. Yeah, but but it, it it works. You know, these people are getting hundreds and thousands of views. So that's there's that. And I'm just waiting when people start titling their videos, build an award winner model. And I'm going to ask, so how many awards did it win <laughs> already? All right, we got to wrap this up. Uh, so let's just say, Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> and uh, Happy, New, Happy Year. New Year. Happy New Year. And we look forward to, uh, Crappy to hopefully New Year. listening, maybe, <laughs> in the new year. <laughs> It's got to be something, though. It's got to be something that everybody can try to replicate, though. Like, like weathering with coffee, or you know, just something completely stupid. You, because you know, you know, it'll catch on, and it'll be all the rage, and there'll be dudes <laughs> defending it, coming to blows on Facebook over what kind of coffee is the best. Starbucks is the worst, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> God, that stuff is like, oh. It's like coffee for people that don't like coffee. See, I don't get that. That's like, I mean, Starbucks over here, I, you must have different Starbucks because yeah, our I'd... Starbucks is just fine. I've heard this a lot. I've heard, at first I just thought you, you all don't know what good coffee tastes like. But then I hear it all the time from Americans and Canadians saying that Starbucks in America, welcome to the coffee podcast, is um, <laughs> is really good. And But the Starbucks over here is awful. Like the latte is just like... It's like a pint of milk with 10 milliliters of, sorry to mix the uh, measurements, with 10 milliliters of coffee in it. It's just a not, you know, an old coffee. You know, like if someone, the only little filter machines, if someone didn't clean the filter and just left it there brewing for like four days, that'd be what Starbucks tastes like. My (laughs) dad. My dad made the worst coffee in history. Like you can see through it. Oh yeah. god! Yeah. Oh. yeah, that'd be perfect yeah. for weathering. <laughs> Starbucks is like homeopathic coffee. <laughs> what? You know homeopathy, yeah. where what? they you don't know the homeopathic thing. 
homeopathic. Yeah, yeah, homeopathic. essential oils and bullshit. Struggling because well, it's not say, real coffee. They say it's one part. Starbucks here is like one part per million coffee. It's got the essence of coffee in it without actually any fucking coffee. <laughs> it's hot water that's been shown a coffee bean. Put it like this. For me to go in and be able to taste the coffee in it, I have to ask for a four-shot coffee. Yeah, well, that's, that's what a real a real fella drinks there, buddy. Well, it's, I mean, typically American coffee is really weak. I mean, American office coffee is horrific oh, stuff. Yes. But... Starbucks is not that. I mean, Starbucks is much stronger than that. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, just 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 to kind of wrap up our coffee talk, I find that uh, I find that Starbucks drip coffee is a little watery. Uh, but if you go for like an Americano where they actually do a shot of espresso, that's a little better. And I've got a, a one of my best friends is is uh, been a head coffee roaster at a couple of coffee companies for a long time. And his opinion is that their regular roast is burnt, uh, and their but their espresso roast is actually good. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of their iced coffee, like that because it's just so damn hot here all the time. But uh, yeah, I I mean, it's not it doesn't tend to go bitter like a lot of other places do. Mm-hmm. So, an iced mocha on a hot afternoon is a thing of joy. What the fuck are we talking about? And don't forget, the Sprue Cutters Union is just one of a number of superb scale modelling podcasts. There are too many to list, but go to modelpodcasts.com to find a full list of all these great shows.